Welcome to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Last year in the Volta, we saw Zwift Academy winner Jay Vine come desperately close to a stage win. And this year, another Zwift Academy winner, Neve Bradbury, performed brilliantly at the Giro Donna, finishing 10th overall. Well, it's all about to kick off again. Registrations are open and the Zwift Academy starts on the 12th of September. Importantly, it's not just about elite riders chasing a pro contract. Anyone can take part. The Zwift Academy features six structured workouts over four weeks. And after you've graduated, Zwift will share workout and training recommendations based on your results. It's a great way to find your strengths and go further. So if you want to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. Now here's Christoph and Macca with the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. Bonjour, bonjour. Uh, buenas dias and welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Joining me today, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Uh, g'day, mate. I am very good. And uh, gee, I'm up and about an Aussie victory. Uh, I'm pretty sure if we go back and watch the tapes, I think I, I think I picked him. So pretty happy about that one. <laughs> uh, Kate, he's not half, you know... Happy I'm smart. What can I say? He's got the head wobble on. No, I don't mind yeah, the yeah. head wobble. <laughs> That's all right because you know we need to be up spirit, uh, Christoph. Because I've been a little bit concerned about you um, after poor Alaphilippe. Uh, yeah. We will talk about that. But are you okay, Christoph? I'm okay, and more, more, also more information. He seems to be okay. So we'll see what's going to happen in the next few weeks. But at least he hasn't done a fracture. But we'll talk a lot yeah. about this, of course, today. But Maka, uh, can you take us through this sprint for Caden Grove? What a victory. What a work from uh, from Bike Action Jaco. Yeah, the, the team were exceptional. They really were. Uh, I think it's one of the best lead-outs they've done as a team, um, in fact. And Callan O'Brien, I thought he was just so good. He measured his effort really well. He's still on the front here, as you can see. And then Michael Hepburn. So you've got these guys that have grown up on the track, team pursuitists, you know, this is their forte, doing that sort of one-minute, two-minute efforts, if you like. And then at the end, um, yeah, Heppy took um, Caden Graves almost to the line. He got it, He got the jump on him. It was John Degengold who you see here coming around the outside. Degengold went early trying to catch them by surprise, more than 200 metres to go, in fact. But Caden Graves didn't panic. He found a, he found the road open up for him on the right-hand side. He's right. He came around. And in the end, he won reasonably comfortably. Uh, Danny Van Poppel was coming at him in the end. Danny Van Poppel did a sprint, I reckon, of a maximum about 20 metres because he couldn't get out at all. When you watch the replay, it's actually – I mean, all of these sprints are really good to watch in slow-mo because you see how some riders just got a clean run. Other riders basically had the brakes on until 20 metres to go. That was Danny Van Poppel. But that's the way that's the way the race goes, doesn't it? So Caden Graves, first um, Grand Tour stage win. Very happy for him. Yeah, and then, Kate, before we hear, we hear from Caden Grove, what's interesting is uh, you, Maka mentioned uh, Caleb Bryan as well. These two guys are neo-pros. They, they are rookies at that level uh, in terms of the, the Grand Tours. Uh, so, therefore, when they, they're bringing a breath of fresh air in, the, in that sprint because, you know, it's it's... It was really a solid, mature sprint, but with a breath of fresh air on this one. Yeah, it. what I love about uh, a rider like O'Brien, I mean, he is absolute royalty on the track. In fact, he's just been named 
um, this afternoon on the Australian team for the World Championships uh, in France for the track uh, in the middle of October. So now there's a bit more context. Now we know exactly why he's uh, looking so good over a couple of kilometres and with a lot of speed. What's most impressive about it, though, I think, is that we are in the middle of what has been a pretty harrowing Grand Tour so far uh, in terms of course. So the fact that he's still fresh enough to provide that kind of service. But when you look at the heritage of Michael Hepburn, he's been uh, individual pursuit world champion on the track. You've got Kel O'Brien. They're building potentially a dream team uh, in terms of lead outs that it would be very hard for any other team to compete with. So it's quite exciting. There was also a little bit of talk, guys, about how, you know, was Bike Exchange an Aussie team anymore? Like the flavour of it's changed so much. Um, But I look at the finale from yesterday and, and I think it's really clear that they're retaining a whole heap of Australian flavour uh, and talent and doing really well. Sad to see Caden Groves uh, leave yeah. at the end of the year, but I'm sort of glad that his first Grand Tour victory uh, was done amongst his mates and amongst the Australians because uh, it'll be a very big change for him uh, next year culturally. So I, I think that's quite fitting. Yeah, to, to be fair, we are having this discussion about back exchange being an Australian enough for not, pretty much every odd year. Uh, and my, my point, I'm not defending the team, but, uh, uh, you know, yeah, Groupama is a surely almost 100% French team, but then they're now bringing some Aussies as well in there. Uh, so, you know, is it is it fair? I don't know. We, we're picking them on them a little it's, bit, Maka. And, oh, I think it's a silly... I mean, it, we don't debate it, do we? We, we, we bring no. it up because it's other people talk about it, but yeah. I think it's a ridiculous concept even to yeah. say to think that because it's an Australian-owned registered team that it should be, you know, yeah, 80 or 90% Australian. Australian. I mean, they've got yeah. enough. Yeah, absolutely. Let's listen from the winner from yesterday, Caden Groves. <laughs> You're a little ripper, mate. I mean, that is amazing. Your first Grand Tour stage. How does it feel? Feels great. Uh, yeah, we're really happy. Uh, we did a perfect job by all the guys. Uh, controlled the stage as well, and um, yeah, paid off with the with a nice win. And we spoke to you this morning, uh, and you were you know you were trying to be positive, but you were all in a terrible place losing uh, Simon for the start. For sure, I mean when you bring a team to uh, to ride the GC as well, you know we have guys here to support uh, Yates and to lose him uh, is pretty tough. Like a lot of teams battling COVID, and uh, we'd avoided it you know this far, and um, yeah, this morning we had the news, so it was pretty disappointing. Now, you've had an amazing year. You, you've been very fast, but in the bigger races, you've just not got quite the right position. But today, you guys got it all right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm still learning a lot. And uh, together with the team, uh, it's been a few years without a sprinter. So I think it uh, takes everyone you know, to get to know each other and uh, how, how you like the finals and whatnot. So, yeah, we've been close on uh, several occasions and I've had too many podiums. So it's uh, really nice to get another win. Kellen Groves here. Uh, Maka, I like the we when he said we are very happy. That's his first win. That's his first, you know, expose, ex, being exposed as a, as, as, as a winner of a grand stage. And we said it with Jay Vine, you know, we, you'll all, and we breathe, sorry, Brie Vine, when we talked to, with her, Jay will always be remembered as a grand tour winner, where Kellen Grove is always now going to be remembered as a, as a grand tour winner. But he keeps on saying we, and that's important for for a sprint train for a sprint uh, uh, team. Yeah, well, gee, I tell you what, wouldn't he love to be taking one or two of those guys with him across to Alperson? Because, um, yeah, they were exceptional. You know, I'm repeating my words, what I said at the start, that 
the, the lead out was absolutely spot on. And they went, I thought they went to the front a little bit too early um, when they did. And, but the way they managed it was, was really well. And sometimes it's better to be at the front early, be out of trouble, be out of that washing machine effect that goes on behind you. So, no, nah, full kudos to him, full kudos to the squad. We talked about uh, Kel O'Brien. Uh, what we saw in the in the sprint as well is how Kel, in, in the first length of the sprint, he left a gap in front of, of him, the Alpacin rider, just to be able to make sure that they had enough space. Uh, talk to us about this, Kate. What was the strategy behind leaving that gap and not being sucking the wheel straight away? Yeah, I mean, I think what you learn on the track, Christoph, is that um, laying off, they call it, and giving a little bit of distance um, allows you to accelerate really comfortably. Uh, it also allows that if you get out of your seat and go, by the time you hit somebody, uh, you're already travelling at a decent pace to uh, make it more difficult for them uh, to respond to that. And I think because of Kel's uh, background on the track, that's intrinsically how he knows how to sprint and pace himself, and it's a really great way to do it. I mean, if you are right up on that wheel, uh, it is very hard in the middle of a sprint to then accelerate and move around because you really need, mm. it depends on what they're doing. And especially uh, when the rider in front is slowing down, uh, then that completely affects you. The, I think the importance of it is that we don't see this very often. And as a trackie, it's just natural. And it seems so odd that we're even talking about how, what a great tactic it is. But I think it just goes to show that, you know, there is still a bit more intelligence to be gained uh, in the world of sprinting. And that is the mm -hmm. real advantage that these track riders uh, bring. And the challenge, I think, for the pro teams is to not kind of let that get taken away when they're yeah. doing all this road that they don't lose uh, those special little advantages. That's what I meant about, uh, you know, fresh air coming into this, uh, this mm. team, to this sprint. And, uh, and it's quite good that we are also able, with the camera angles and everything, to, to pick this up as well. Uh, that's also a big part of it. Uh, why don't we listen to Kelly O'Brien? Mate, sensational. <laughs> oh. how's, that, how's that feel after you know, a disastrous start to the day? I mean, really, really hot today. The pace wasn't, uh, it wasn't that hard in the peloton, but... I mean, last week was really, really tough on the legs and, yeah, such an amazing feeling. It's just, yeah, the team put together an amazing ride today. Was, congratulations to Caden. It was, really, it was awesome. So what was your role in the finale? I saw you up there. Um, I was uh, third last or second last, so I went in front of Michael Hepburn. Uh, he, he went uh, last man for Caden today. And, yeah, I just needed to keep the pace high, but... There's a few other teams interested and I just tried to use use them as much as possible. And Yeah, I mean, I got stuck kind of pushing a bit of wind for a little while. That took a little bit out of me, but oh, the boys put together an amazing ride today. It's just, it's so special and yeah, it's a great way to, great way to end the day, you know, a bit of bad news this morning. So the team bounced back well and that's, that's how Aussies do it, you know. Well done, Carl. Sensational, mate. Thank you very much. Enjoy your champers tonight. Thank you very much, mate. I left that one uh, to the end, Micah, just for you, for the, the slap on the shoulder. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I just want to say, Christoph, in case you weren't aware, um, Champers is champagne. Um, <laughs> it's a sort of bastardization of the word that 
anyway, it is, it is champagne. So I'm hoping maybe it won't be French champagne because they're in southern Spain. But anyway, just in case you weren't aware of that. Slogan. Is it is it cover? Is it cover around here? Is that what it is? It'll be cover. Oh. It'll be cover. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Passion pop or something like that. Passion pop. <laughs> uh, it, it talks as well about the, the 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 bad news that they had. It's of course uh, about Yates uh, being out of COVID and 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 Maka. We saw so many riders as well at the minute coming out with COVID. And I tell you what, uh, and I, I've just, you know, reiterating this because so you guys know about it, but here they actually became a lot more strict. We have now limited access uh, for the riders at the at uh, at the beginning of the stage, at the start and at the finish as well. So it's getting a bit tougher. It's getting a bit, uh, you know, I, I guess it's expected, Maka. Yeah, and I mean, yesterday when we finished the show, guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm getting my days and everything mixed up, but we talked about Yates being out. I think we, we said our goodbyes and five minutes later, I checked my phone, Sivakov was out. And then I think half an hour later, three riders from that small um, Kerna Farmer Spanish team were out as well. So they, they've got to be so, so careful. And the race organisation, I mean, you'll, like you say, Christoph, you'll tell us more, but it seems like they're trying to do their best. But we saw it at the Tour de France and, you know, this this isn't a criticism of the organisations at all. Yeah. When you've got an open sort of race course, we're not on a football field, we're not on a tennis court. Well, you saw the footage with Oran yesterday. Yeah, in a hug. There, there's, you can't, the crowds are even yeah. mingling with the journalists and then John Trevorrow fist pumps a rider. He's, not, he's just <laughs> doing it because he's excited. He's not doing yeah. it wanting to give them COVID, but... It can spread so quickly, so yeah. But I mean, actually, let's let's listen to uh, to uh, Miles Coulson because he talks about it, uh, and, and you know the the measure you might take, are they useful? Are they not useful? That's Miles Coulson. Yeah, I mean, you you can do what you want. You can we can wear a mask in the hotel, but we're amongst each other. Like I think, um, yeah, it, it's. I think if you like, if you haven't had COVID in the last few months now, you're at a big risk in this race because with everything's opened up, we have the spectators really close. Um, yeah, it's not a surprise. You, you can do what you want off the bike, but when we're in the race, uh, it's easy to pass on. And we've had these travel days here in the race, like with the air- airports and stuff. It's like not really a surprise. Uh, hopefully, not too many more riders uh, get it, but. There's a lot of, and there's also just some sickness going around, uh, stomach bug. We've already lost one guy in our team, and I've, the last 48 hours, been not feeling 100% also. So, yeah, there is a lot going on, and it's also a really hard race. It is a really hard race, and I think, Maka, from what I've read, it's 21 riders, or Maka and Kate, actually, it's 21 riders that have been taken out from this race so far. That's, that's quite a lot, Kate. Yeah, 18. That's right. 18, 18 of them 18, from 18 COVID. for COVID? 18 from COVID, yeah. I believe, yeah. It, it's a lot. I mean, what are they? Are they cuddling at night, guys? Like, what's going on here? Do you think some of the teams are getting a, a little bit up close and personal? I don't know. It's going to be, at the end of the race, one of the biggest factors, I think. And Remco, uh, he might have lost, and again, we'll talk about it in a minute, Christophe, but I want to pre-upset you, so stay calm. That's he right. lost that's Philippe, right. but... <laughs> All of the, you know, Ineos, they've lost Sivakov. We've lost Yates. Every team is being massively affected because they're mm. not no, they're not plus one riders. They're not the riders yeah. that nobody's noticing. And so it kind of changes the dynamics a little bit. And 
they also have to treat each day like it may be their last opportunity to gain some time and to contribute because, you know, honestly, a lot of the writers may not even get to the end of it. So it changes the mindset too. And I'm wondering if it becomes, uh, you know, if they kind of get to the point where they're like, oh, everybody's getting it. I'm not going to bother being careful anymore or whether they really kind of double down and get a lot more careful about it based on uh, the back pat and the fist pump with Kel O'Brien. I'm not sure he's thinking about it too much, to be honest. Yeah, well, there's there's some writers that take a bit more protection than, than others, and uh, it's not related to what he says. But look at Jay Vine and how he turned up yesterday to the to the interview. Uh, he talks about the the race and the, the stage and so on. But just have a look as well at how he looks. Um, yeah, obviously we're disappointed in her with uh, not getting a result with Tim, um, but you know it can't be for lack of trying. We've definitely. Uh, Definitely showed our attentions for the from the start of the day, and um, you know, sprinting is one of those things where you make a mistake and it costs you the entire race. You know, climbing it's a lot slower, so if you make a mistake, you can sort of fix it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing, but you know, he gave it all. Now it's quite warm out there, but you you come from northern Queensland. I mean, this is just nothing for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, northern Queensland, also Canberra, Brisbane, all over the place. So, yeah, I mean, once I, I think I think there's a misconception where if you come from somewhere hot, you'll always be good in the hot. It's as long as you're prepared for it. I think um, I think uh, that's that's my strength. I've definitely prepared for this heat. But I felt a bit gypped. My um, we were going through towns and it said it was only 31 degrees, but you know I thought it was closer to 36 or 37 to the honest. Yeah. So that's uh, Jay Vine here. I mean, he says a lot sure of important that was things. Jay Vine? Yeah, exactly. The mask is stuck thin under the sun. Here. The cap is right. I think here. it was. I actually think it was Chevy Chase out of that B grade '80s movie. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But what he says is interesting about uh, the, the heat, though. Like, there's a misconception that if you come from a hotter country, you're going to be better in the heat. Uh, the heat will be a factor this uh, this week. Absolutely, we are right down in the south of Spain. They are just on the coast uh, uh, today. Um, do, do you agree with these points, Kate? I do. And coming from Madame Pasty herself here, um, I used to get it from the Europeans all the time. They used to kind of mock me for putting on lots of sunscreen and say, ah, you're from Australia, it should be fine. No, I really struggled with the heat and it really annoyed me how everybody just assumed because I was Australian that I'd be really good for it. So I know how Jay Vine is feeling uh, on that one. But I also think heat adaptation, it do- just because you're born somewhere hot, um, you know, six months later, if you've been somewhere else, your body adapts fairly quickly to that. And that's why you can actually train for the heat, uh, you know. So I think it's a little yeah. bit rubbish. But they're all going to mm. suffer with this heat. It's like, what did uh, Ben O'Connor call it yesterday? Filthy. Such a good word. Yeah. Uh, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it's clear that even him from, you know, WA, I would say that the weather's pretty filthy over there. Uh, it's not, he's not, not noticing it. To, yeah. Use terrible language there. Pardon me. Now. Yes, I know. Oh, yeah, we've got to go it. there, don't we? We've got to go there, Alaphilippe. We've got to go there. Wow. No, talk about the oh. curse of, uh, of the, the rainbow jersey, my car. Is it just no. bike, bad bike handling or really there is a curse on that No, jersey? no. He, he's one of the best. Look, he's had some odd crashes in his career, but he's a, he's a very good bike handler, as we know. Yeah, exactly. There were two other riders. One rider crashed from the breakaway and... Luke Plapp also crashed. We didn't see Luke Plapp's crash. Uh, it was before Philippe's. 
But the road was a little bit, it was a bit shiny and there was a, probably a little bit of grit on a couple of the corners. But it, the worst part of it is it was a nothing sort of a crash. You yeah. know, it was a crash where Kate, he should have just taken a bit of skin off his hip, maybe a bit of skin off his elbow, got back up, dusted himself off, maybe had some bruising, you know, at worst and kept going. And But you knew immediately, yeah. he knew immediately actually, we didn't know, he knew he was not getting back up on the bike because yeah, he, he was pointing he barely moved, to pointed to his shoulder. Yeah, it was that's devastating because he's he's such a great rider and he's such a he's just such a flamboyant rider. He's the world champion, of course. And now I I hate to say this, Christoph, but I cannot see him being ready for the world. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. <laughs> I can't see him being ready, Kate. Even though it's a dislocated oh. shoulder, it's not broken or fractured. It's still going to take him. He's got he's got four weeks as we speak. Yeah, I mean, there's two elements to it, right, right, Mac. The first is will his shoulder be better, but the second is he's been out all season and this mm. he was using this to ride into form. Uh, yeah. So now that's been taken away from him. I think his only hope is to kind of do a Matt Heyman uh, and get on the indoor yeah. trainer and see if he can, um, if he if he has the kilometers in the legs. That's a hail mary, but. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely wouldn't grab the highlighter out over him just yet. Sorry, Christoph. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. And and actually, incidentally, it was quite funny in a way. Uh, yesterday, I was driving to do the uh, the transfer, so I was not watching the stage because it was, you know, let's talk about it. it was a sprint stage. I wasn't really watching the stage. I was in a transfer. And when this happened, I had four phone calls. People saying, <laughs> oh, my God, oh, my God, you contacted me, Maka. I'm sorry to tell you. I did. <laughs> It was, and I was, I was halfway. We were in an ad break during the commentary, and I thought, "Oh my god, I've got to let you know because you probably don't know. I better let him know." Oh my god, I hope he's pulled over. What am I going? How am I going to word it? It took me half an hour just to type out the words, mate. I'm like, okay, I've become this like number one fan. I am actually number one fan. <laughs> it was nice. I know. I was devastated. It's, it's, I mean, as I said to Kino, Kate, and Christoph, not that you want this, but if you're going to crash out of a race, at least. Yeah. Crash on a descent at 60 kilometres an hour or crash, yeah. crash in a sprint finish. It was just a nothing crash. That's what's yeah. so wrong about it. And incidentally, yeah. uh, his wife, Marion Roos, was there for the day as oh, well really? yesterday. Oh, so dear. She well, she'll be banned from and, future and so races, so. won't she, if that's yeah, the case? Yeah, not we cool, better. We better cool, if, cool, look, if he does come to the Worlds, don't, we, can't, we won't She's we'll, not allowed. We'll deny her entry. Some, and I'm not allowed to talk to him as well. So I talked to him a bit before. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, let's talk about the leader of this race, Remco Evenepoel. He actually talks about the crash as well. Remco, it, it was supposed to be a quiet day, but with the crash of uh, Julian Alaphilippe, does it make it a bad day? Uh, yeah, it definitely makes it a... Uh... Uh, a much, I mean, a less beautiful day than we than we expected. Uh, I don't exactly know what what happened or uh, what the results are, but uh, it's definitely a big loss for our team, uh, especially on such a, a quiet stage. It's uh, it's quite a pity, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I hope he, he does well and uh, that he that he's not suffering too much. So I uh, I wish all the best for uh, Lulu. What do you know about the circumstances of the crash? Sorry. What do you know about the crash? Did you see it? Did you see the crash? Nothing. I was uh, I was riding in front of him. I don't know anything what happened. How much does it change your race? Julian was uh, 
was doing very well the last days, uh, but I think we are not the only team that is losing, guys. So. Uh, um, yeah, it's just a, a stupid loss. It's uh, it's it's a pity that we lose the world champion because he was in a very good shape. But uh, I have confidence. I have confidence in my other teammates as well that they will uh, do very well with uh, for the coming uh, the coming weeks. Thank you. So that was uh, of course Remco Evenepoel here for uh, this. Uh, you know, he's still in the lead. Uh, it's quite harsh. I guess is the world of cycling when he's like. Yeah, okay, he's, he's cautious, but other teams have lost other riders, and he's right, but it's tough. This is the sport. Yeah, yeah, it is, and they've got to move on. They can't, they can't dwell on it. They can, they can dwell on it, you know, on the way to the hotel, and then they've got to come up with a plan. And I think there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors, just talking still with confidence that we can still win this race. Because if you if you show that you're you care too much and you show a little bit of weakness to towards the, your, your rivals, then they're going to pounce. And I can tell you right now, Roglic, he is still he is still saying and still believing he is in this race for the victory. And if he says it, he is. Uh, there's a long way to go. Roglic has won the last three. He knows he knows this Vuelta better than anyone at the moment. So yeah. it just makes it a little bit more interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the the language worried me a little bit, to be honest, for him. And I'm trying to save you egg on your face by the end, Macca. Um, But there was a certain difference in tone. Like, it's like he's justifying to himself that other teams have lost riders too. Mm. Um, but I think from a morale point of view, we heard uh, in your lovely English interview with Lulu yesterday, Christoph, uh, that he was so supportive of Remco as well. And I, I'm wondering if they were kind of almost mentor and mentee supporting uh, that development. So I think that psychologically it might be a little bit of a knock for Remco and that's a bit of a chink in his armour. So I really hope that the team kind of shepherds him through and allows him to have that confidence when you don't have, um, you know, your person out on the road giving that to you throughout uh, the entire stage. So they could probably exploit that, I reckon, uh, Yumbo. It would be mean. But mm-hmm. it could be a tactic, actually. A win's a win's a win, yeah? That's what we said. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look at the, the rankings because they've, of course, changed a, a little bit since then. So, uh, Evernapol is still on top. Roglic, uh, 2 minutes 41. We just said this. Uh, and Enric Mas is 3 minutes in there. Ben O'Connor comes back into the, the top 10. Someone that dropped out as well at the top 10 is, is Jai Inley. Uh, but Ben in the top 10, Maka, that's, uh, that's good news. Yeah, it's great news. And I'm actually buoyed by his TT performance and with what lies ahead with all the summit finishes, including tonight's, so six summit finishes now, um, I think Ben's on the up and I think he can climb even higher. I think top five is not beyond him uh, and who knows beyond that. Mm. So, yeah, each day at a time, it's a cliche saying, but I think he needs to try and consolidate his TT performance tonight on this um, summit finish. It's a big one too. I mean, 20 Mm. kilometres and you go all the way from sea level up to 1,400 metres, it's a huge climb and it's a massive opportunity for Ben O'Connor, I reckon. And apparently, guys, from the top of the climb, you can see all the way to Africa. Uh, So it gives you a little bit of an understanding of just how giant it is um, as a climb. Now, incidentally, uh, it's also open. It used to be completely forested, uh, but in the bushfires, it lost, uh, that got all got burnt through. So it's a little okay. bit like the moon more than it used to, which 
makes it a little bit harder again. Um, and another little fun fact on it, I'm a bit obsessed with this climate, I apologise, uh, is there's a little campaign going on um, by some of the Uskadel Uskadi riders to re- raise money to replant uh, the forest on this climb. So for every breakaway that goes throughout the Vuelta, uh, they're raising money uh, to do that. Okay. So that's a little bit cool that's as well. Nice. So maybe them. we'll <laughs> see something from them because it's obviously a very special climb for them. Yeah. They, all and they need is a bit of water to water those plants. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what probably they're, they're lacking a little yeah. bit here. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but look at this this, uh, this profile again, uh, Maka. Um could this be a GC discussion at the end or not really? No, definitely. It's it's a GC day, but I think mm. a breakaway could win the day as well because you've got all that flat roads leading into it. Um, as Kate said, it's just shy of 20 kilometres. It's 6.5% average grade, so it's tough. The lower slopes are quite steep, actually 13% uh, in a couple of sections. So, no, it's a, it's a GC day. It's two. It's two. It's two pronged. It's yeah. a breakaway can win the day, and I think the GC guys will will reshuffle again. So there'll be time yeah. gained, time lost. Let's listen to uh, yeah. Jevine again on the strategy for him for today. Yeah, it's it's also. I'm pretty sure there's only ten points available at the end of the day at the on the final climb, and um, it's a really long day, you know. So I think. Uh, bang for your buckets it might not be worth it we'll see how the gci guys go but also it's, it's sort of not really steep enough to sort of get big gaps it's not at high altitude it's sort of one of those odd days where you know if there's a small group of guys that go away to the finish do we want to use you know all that energy to to get in the breakaway or do we want to gamble on the break on the break coming back you know we'll have to discuss that tonight yeah, that was a, a Jevine here. Uh, anything else we want to discuss about uh, this stage tonight, Michael? No, well, just that last little bit, what Jay said, I'd love to know what they've discussed because he can win the stage. I think he, he's yeah. going well enough to, to jag a stage like this. Will he try and get in the break early on or will he sit back? I don't know. It's a bit of a flip of the coin, isn't it, Kate? Because I think yeah. they'll need at least five minutes at the base. If they get away yeah. all day, they're going to need at least five I mean, Jay probably more than any other riders is climbing so well at the moment that he could probably get there with a couple of minutes lead yeah, and that would be enough yeah. uh, for him. But, he, I mean, we noticed in every interview he's so analytical. He would have divided this entire race uh, into pieces. <laughs> and even with his mindset, and this is, I think, why I'm so fascinated by today's profile, is that's really easy to get your head around. Survive. Yeah. The first bit, survive the second bit, rather than these constant ramp up and, and down. And I think it also, to a degree, makes planning the stage easier because there's a lot of sections that, you know, there's not too many unknowns. It, it's not like let's see how we get, if you get across this, if you get across that. Uh, it's a bit of a unique stage um, in that regard. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, GC is going to be a mess. I mean, I can just see the top ten changing nearly daily um, in yeah. the next week. Yeah, same. same. The Vuelta is yeah, always yeah. the most exciting tour of the year, I reckon. Like you get <laughs> oh, to the Vuelta and you're like, oh, it's so good. Why does it? Why don't people love it as much as the tour? And then you kind of forget that until Vuelta time next year. And so far, yeah. uh, we haven't had the, the quirky ones like 
ponies on the road or pigs or wild pigs, you know. They're, they're coming. They're saving them up for the last yeah. week. Well, right? you know, you were you were in their final resting place yesterday, Christoph, um, yeah. yeah. for your broadcast. So, oh, you know, yes. let's find some live pigs. <laughs> did you did you taste some of the uh, the the, the Do you know what? I'm going to give you a secret. But, uh, the smell was so off-putting that he pretty much I didn't have meat that night. <laughs> um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a couple of secrets I'll tell you of, uh, of course, but like we were shown a certain part of the factory, not the other part. And when I looked over the fence, there was a, a bit of a queue with some uh, some uh, nice little piggies in in trucks waiting to uh, to go inside. Oh, and that was not such a nice thing. And, so and this is where it started. Up. This was the start yeah. line yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Hello, That's tourism. the food chain, people. <laughs> but today, like, today, I'm going to try to do something here. Uh, so bear with me because I've plugged in my uh, my micro my uh, my uh, phone as well. I want to show you how we make this podcast, how I make this podcast here. Uh, so let's just bear with me here because I'm going to try to do this. This is the sky, of course. Yes. This is me, but this is ah, the wow. Well. Today. Oh wow! Beautiful. This is my little table here. Oh, cool. Where do you get the I'm table? Go on the mic here. If you can hear me, yes, we got. Look at now. this setting. Magnificent. That is. So this is where the stage will start tomorrow. This oh, is Wanda, wow. and this is how we make, or I make, the podcast. Well, yeah, just on a bit of a cultural tourist side, Christoph, and I'm putting you on the spot, but no, we. I can't hear you. I'm just coming back. I'll let you get back to your position. Uh, okay, yeah, tell us a little bit about Rhonda because you and I spoke about it off air yesterday. I've, yeah. I've never been there, but I've read a little bit about it and I've seen the Vuelta go through it a few years ago. It is a beautiful city from an aerial shot on the ground. What's it like? So I don't know how you say amazing in Spanish, but that would be the word. Uh, yeah. It's a beautiful little town. There's a feria at the minute happening. Uh, so there's a, there's a big fiesta all around. Uh, and, and it's just an old-fashioned uh, Spanish city white houses on a cliff. You just saw the cliff as yeah. I just showed you. Uh, and they, they, yeah, everything is sort of beautifully Spanish. And have you been across the famous, there's a, there's a little sort of bridge across the gorge. Yeah. Have you been across that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. Uh, where I'm staying is about, it's about, yeah, 200 meters away from here. Uh, it's oh, beautiful. beautiful. So oh. tune in tomorrow because there will be some amazing footage. The area is just absolutely we want vision. And I'm we running out vision. of word. Yeah. I'm running out yeah. of word well, for um, it. So it's, uh, it's not often that happens. <laughs> Christoph, beautiful setup. Um, can you tell us where you got that beautiful table from? Is nope. that in your traveling kit? <laughs> he stole it from a cafe three days ago, Kate. <laughs> I sort of bored, but I can see from the corner the of my eyes that the guy is actually looking at me. So I'm going to this podcast here because I think he wants his table back. <laughs> Don't get arrested. I sort of bored, but hey. It's Spain weekend, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And uh, next podcast is of course same place, same time tomorrow. And uh, Maka, uh, great stage tonight. Hopefully, and hopefully another Australian win with Jeff. Yeah, Andy, you know? eleven PM. Okay. Why not eleven PM? Well, don't forget SBS people, SBS on demand. Looking forward to it. Going to be a big one. Absolutely. Uh, see you tomorrow for the next uh, podcast. See you. Thanks for listening to the SBS Volta Espana podcast with Zwift. After five weeks on the road at the tour and no riding, I'm seriously playing some fitness catch-up with Walter Inspiration. 
To help with my motivation, I've set myself a target of finding a team and getting involved with the Zwift Racing League. Round one starts on the 13th of September and goes to the 18th of October. One race per week for six weeks. Whether you're just starting out on your fitness journey or like me getting back into things, or you're a six watts per kilo monster, you'll find a level of racing to suit. So if you're up for the fun cycling challenge, dive in and start riding with a free seven day trial at Zwift.com and find your ZRL team or register if you're all ready to go by Sunday the 11th of September. Hopefully I'll see you on the start line soon. Ride on.